It's August 5th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. Our top stories today? A Russian court has sentenced U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner to nine years in prison on drug charges. The Olympic athlete has admitted to possessing hash oil, but told the court she had made an honest mistake. The court near Moscow convicted her of smuggling and possessing narcotics. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Russia and any country engaged in wrongful detention represents a threat to the safety of everyone traveling, working, and living abroad. Speaking after her sentencing, White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby urged Russia to accept the serious proposal offered by the U.S. for Griner and fellow detained U.S. citizen Paul Whelan. The proposal is for a prisoner swap, Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan for Victor Bout, a Russian arms dealer currently serving in prison in the United States. China said Friday that more than 100 warplanes and 10 warships have taken part in live-fire military drills surrounding Taiwan over the past two days. The official Xinhua news agency said Friday that fighters, bombers, destroyers, and frigates were all used in what it called joint blockage operations taking place in six zones off the coast of Taiwan, which China claims as its own territory. Five of the missiles fired by China landed in Japanese territorial waters, causing Japan to protest the military exercises. In addition to the exercises, as a result of Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan, China announced unspecified sanctions on Pelosi and her family. Such sanctions are generally mostly symbolic in nature. A Chinese foreign ministry statement said that Pelosi had disregarded China's serious concerns and resolute opposition for her visit. It called Pelosi's visit provocative and said it undermines China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Amnesty International released a report last night alleging Ukraine's military is violating international humanitarian law by turning civilian facilities into military targets, for example, establishing bases and operating weapons systems in populated residential areas, including in schools and hospitals. When Russia subsequently strikes those targets, it ends up killing civilians and destroying civilian infrastructure, according to the watchdog group. Specifically, the researchers said they witnessed Ukrainian forces using hospitals as de facto military bases in five locations. Being in a defensive position does not exempt the Ukrainian military from respecting international humanitarian law said Amnesty International's Secretary General Agnes Kalamard. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky hit back in his nightly address, saying anyone who grants amnesty to Russia and contributes to creating an information space in which terrorist attacks come to appear as justified or understandable must realize that their actions are playing into Russia's hands. In my opinion, this report really highlights the messiness of war. Ukraine is fighting for its sovereignty and freedom and appears to be fighting in ways that contravene international law while doing so. 
A question worth considering is whether a Ukraine that fights by the law but loses is better. I don't really have a good answer for that. Additionally, this report shows how effective Zelensky's communication strategy has been. Chris and I have been following this conflict since the start, and I have a good sense of how many Russians have died and the needs of Ukraine, but little about Ukraine's military losses or their tactics. Ukraine is clearly the victim here and deserves continued support from the U.S. and others, but it's important to remember that in war, everything is shades of gray. Elsewhere, Viktor Orban, the Hungarian prime minister who has been widely condemned for his attacks on democratic norms, was the opening headliner at the Conservative Political Action Conference in Dallas. Leaders of CPAC, an influential right group best known for hosting prominent Republicans and aspiring presidential candidates at its regular conferences, had resisted calls to disinvite Mr. Orban, who has received criticism for his comments over opposing a mixed-race society. The conference will culminate this weekend with a speech by Mr. Trump, who has frequently been compared to Mr. Orban. Former Venezuelan opposition lawmaker Juan Recasens was sentenced to eight years in prison for alleged involvement in the 2018 explosion of two drones at an event attended by Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro, his lawyer said on Thursday, one of 17 people to receive sentences over the incident. Rekasens was detained for about two years between 2018 and 2020 in the case, which stems from explosions that rocked a military event where Maduro was giving a speech. The government says the incident was a failed assassination attempt planned by Colombia, the United States, and the Venezuelan opposition involving drones carrying explosives. Colombia, the United States, and the opposition have denied any involvement in this and other plots alleged by the Venezuelan government. Parties to the peace deal ending South Sudan's devastating civil war have again delayed the country's first election since independence by extending the transitional period by two years. The vote meant for early next year has been pushed to December 2024. In explaining the latest delay, South Sudan's president said he wanted to avoid creating conditions for more bloodshed. The president and opposition groups signed the peace agreement in 2018, ending five years of civil war that killed hundreds of thousands of people. But the deal's provisions, including the formation of a national unified army, remain largely unimplemented. Senegal's president, Macky Sall's ruling coalition, has lost its parliamentary majority, the country's electoral commission said yesterday. The Binobakiakar coalition won only 82 out of the 165 seats following last Sunday's election. The results challenged the claims made by the ruling coalition on Monday that it had won an unquestionable majority. It is the first time since the historically stable West African country's independence in 1960 that the ruling party's camp has lost that majority and will have to rely on other forces in parliament to pass legislation. In lighter news, a sinkhole that opened up in Chile over the weekend could fit the Washington Monument inside, with about 100 feet to spare. Officials are working to determine what caused the massive sinkhole, 
near the mining town of Tierra Amarilla. The sinkhole is 656 feet deep, and officials say it has remained stable since it was discovered. One of the mines nearby is also being monitored, and there has not been movement related to the sinkhole. As a preventative measure, development work in the area of the mine has been temporarily suspended. That's all the news we have for you this week. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at the dsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. This weekend, we'll speak with David Sachs of the Council on Foreign Relations about China and Taiwan. Go to the dsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into Words Matter today, where Kavita and Norm discuss a variety of topics, including the economy and abortion. And you should also tune into The Secret Life of Cookies tomorrow to hear Marissa speak with David Hogg of March for Our Lives. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.